Welcome to the dive table. I am Nick Hogel, and with me as always is Jay Gardner. And producer Daniel is here, so this must mean we are recording another episode of the show. Jay, how are you doing today? I am enjoying still the San Diego weather. So I got out of Texas and I'm doing a little bit of training here and staying with the in-laws, hence the background. <laughs> um, so we're making it work. This is my new podcast studio uh, for the trip, but it was good. I, I finished up a bunch of training today. I'm exhausted. It was a lot of fun. Cold water, uh, you know, it's 55 in the water. <laughs> so it was nice and chilly, but uh, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm from here, so everything's familiar. It's nice to be back in a place where you know where you are at any point. <laughs> I, know, I know the water's west. I know, you know, wh where things are in relative, uh, you know, capacity to where I am. So that's a nice thing. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm really looking forward to today, actually. Well, I am. We are very excited to welcome Natalie Gibb and Vincent Roquette Catala to the table. Um, this is awesome for us. Uh, they are co-owners of Under the Jungle, a shop in Mexico. Me and Jay were actually down there probably about, what was that, a month ago? And we did some training down there. And um, I don't know if I got a chance to speak to you after the training. You guys were on an exploration project, but I had an absolutely amazing time. Aria, huge, huge shout out. I had so much fun with her. She's a super great instructor. So thank you, Aria, if you're listening. Hopefully you are. And, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to have you guys back. We actually, uh, did try to record last time while we were there, but we had some technical difficulties. So, um, it's kind of a blessing in disguise because anytime we get to spend a little bit more time with y'all is absolutely amazing. So, um, welcome once again, back to the dive table and let's jump right in. podcast for scuba divers everywhere. Take your seat at the dive table with your hosts, Nick Hogel and Jay Gardner. Okay, well, I guess we'll just kind of start the show like any other uh, basic show. And, and Natalie and uh, Vince, if you can just kind of introduce yourselves and, and tell us a little bit about you and the shop and um, what you got going on down there. So, hi everybody, I'm Natalie Gibb, and... I'm uh, Vincent Ketkatara. <laughs> so, do you want to tell us a little bit about the, the shop Under the Jungle that y'all co-own? Sure, uh, Under the Jungle is a cave and technical diving center here down in the Riviera Maya, close to Tulum in Mexico, and uh, we started it about six or seven years ago now. Um, with the idea of being able to do the type of training that we want to do. So really individualized training for cave diving, for technical diving, um, high quality personalized service. And the shop's gone wild. It's really grown. We have crazy. Yeah, like three instructors and us teaching pretty much full time. And we just love it. It's such a privilege to be able to dive the cenotes every day for a job. Yeah, no, and uh, another aspect was definitely also trying to make a base for exploration. I think it's how it really started, because we just wanted to have a place where we could have equipment, a uh, place where we can base our exploration from, and ideally that would make it interesting to the community, 
having people stopping by to speak about their own exploration with their own students and just create like a truly passionate uh, place where, where the community could meet and keep speaking about the thing and not just a place to make business out of diving, right? And uh, it has worked so far beyond expectations, actually, which is, uh, which is pretty incredible and super cool. And it's become really neat because we had this idea of sort of building a community. And for example, right now, we have three or four of the divers that we've certified as cave divers, as well as a bunch of local people that we've certified as cave divers. And they're all meeting up in the shop in the mornings, getting tanks and going diving off all their own. And it makes me so proud to see like the next generation sort of start going for it. It's really cool. Yes, and we feel old and like daddy and mummy. <laughs> Where are you going today? What is your plan? Okay. I said it. I'm going to the dinner bell. You. you better be back at, at the front door. That's right. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Um, So tell us a little, let's start maybe with the basics because you guys are incredible uh, divers. Uh, Obviously you're shop owners and you're creating this amazing community. You have so much knowledge, but maybe go back to the the fundamentals, the roots. What brought each of you to your first breath underwater? Kind of how did you, how did you get into scuba? Um, Tell us that story because I think it's really interesting. So for me, I never thought I would enjoy scuba diving. It was never something I was interested in at all. And I went to the Florida Keys on a whim, on a little solo vacation on a weekend when I lived in New York City. And I had zero plans. So I got off of the plane and I said, I want to go to the Keys. How do I get there? And somebody said, you need to rent a car. So, you know, I rented a car and I found myself driving down this amazing highway and on Key Largo, I stopped by a state park because I like state parks. And I asked them, what do you do here? And they said, well, we do scuba diving. And I said, huh, okay, uh, can I try that? And they said, yeah, you need to read this book and come back tomorrow, we have a four day class starting. And so that is what I did. And I never made it off of Key Largo and The first breath I took underwater was in this murky, gross, algae-filled lagoon that had maybe like two fish and some lobsters, and it was just the most insane experience I have ever had in my entire life. I was like, you know, I'm weightless, and the fish are floating around, they're flying like birds. This is a completely different dimension. And I have to do this for the rest of my life in some way or another. So, yeah, so on my side, that was kind of a different story. Um, Since I was three years old, I was just obsessed with water and with scuba divers. I have no idea why and where that comes from, because I have no scuba divers at all in my family. Uh, My mom swims like a rock, pretty much, probably worse than a rock. Um, <laughs> she doesn't watch, uh, well, anyways. And uh, I had this obsession for scuba. I made myself some, some fake scuba tanks for the bath tube when I was like four years old. Uh, and then I kept speaking, speaking about it, having reading books about divers. And my parents just offered me a pair of jet fins that I still have <laughs> about this size when I was six. And uh, that's how I started to do snorkeling. And I was telling my friends that my snorkel could filter the oxygen from the water because I wanted to go deep. And, all sorts of lies, of course. 
And my parents thought that would eventually pass and uh, I kept asking and asking and poking them. And until I was 10, they took me to the dive club in my city because it was supposed to be 10 at this time to start diving. And they told my parents, no, it has to be 12 now. It's like the law just changed. And my dad was like, come on, take the, kids in the, take the kid in the pool. It's been since he was born, he's been annoying us with like scuba. So hopefully he doesn't like it. And, uh, and then he will, uh, he will think about something else. And so they took me with a tiny tank into the swimming pool, like in 10 feet of water. And that was the, my very first breath in the water. That was, I was 10 years old. And I remember being like so amazed at the artificial light reflections through the surface in the swimming pool at night. And that's actually a memory that I've never forgotten about. So that was my very first breath in the water. There were many after that. Oh, yeah. cool. Well, that's amazing. Uh, it's so funny because uh, you, you mentioned that at such a young age and I've got young kids, but I met this, uh, this young guy who I think he's four years old and he's obsessed with scuba divers. I don't, I don't know where it came from, but, uh, I was with him in the pool and, um, I put on a full face mask for him cause I haven't brought up my gear for him yet and showed him the, the giant stride into the pool, <laughs> no fins, nothing. And he was just like, you know, scuba dive, scuba dive, scuba dive. I mean, he can barely talk. And now all he, all he can say is scuba diving. So it's so interesting how that imprint for you young has led you now to where you are and how young you knew is just amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. I wish I was that young. And then that's my only regret in scuba is I didn't start earlier. So uh, I think you, you've got us all beat with your, uh, <laughs> your, your really early knowledge that that's what you wanted to do. It's just amazing. Yeah, that, that's cool. But at the same time, it kept me for, for many, many years of my life and still away from so many other possibilities in life and activities, right? So I started really young. I never stopped, but I was so much into it that there's one thing I do kind of okay in life, which is diving. I stick to it and that's it. <laughs> uh, so that's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, so I guess uh, a na another natural question would be from, you know, tell us a little bit about the journey from, you know, your open water into technical and then obviously into cave diving. Like, was that something that you knew you wanted to do kind of early on or was it just first time in a cave? Like, holy cow, this is amazing. Like, how how did that all come about? So for me, I did four open water dives in Florida and I went back to New York City where I lived at the time and I walked into a dive shop there and said, I need to keep diving. What do I need to do? And um, I didn't know anything. And they said, you're going to need to buy this back plate and a wing and you need to buy, you know, a dry suit. <laughs> and I said, OK. <laughs> so I did that. And uh, it was a technical diving shop, as most of the shops in, in the Northeast are, because that's about what you can do. And so I would go with like a new buddy and my back plate and my wing in a single tank down the shot line. And I could, you know, barely see the wreck way below. And we would just hang out at 80 feet and help the guys that were pulling lobsters off the wreck, bring them up to the surface while they did their depot. <laughs> Um, and I loved it. I just wanted to be underwater. And because it was a technical shop, a lot of the divers were cave divers. And so they would go down to Florida and they would come back with all of these stories like, oh, like I almost died cave diving, blah, 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 blah. Like I thought, ooh, 
That sounds horrible. I never want a cave dive. What kind of idiots cave dive? This sounds risky. There's a lot of chest beating with these people. So they were all really badass. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Um, but then I moved to Mexico to do a re research internship. And while I was here in Mexico for a very short period of time, maybe two weeks into me living in Mexico, and the opportunity to go on a guided cenote tour, which is like a DSD for overhead diving. And I didn't really want to, but I thought I should try it. And my, it was at Dos Ojos, and my first breath underwater in the cave was an epiphany. It was life-changing. It was inspiration. And when I came out of that dive, I said, you know, I want to be a cave diver. I'm going to have a cave diving center. I want to train cave divers. I'm going to explore caves. This is what I will do for the rest of my life. And I'm four foot 11. And all these guys were like, okay, how are you going to pick up the tanks? I said, you know, I'll pick up the tanks because it was all back mounted doubles at that point. And uh, that's what I did. <laughs> and then I met this. <laughs> so, so, yeah, on, uh, on my side, I was different stories so i started when i was 10 when i was saying and then i never really stopped and i did my first instructorship when i was 18 and at the same time i was at the university so i was part of this uh, student dive club where most of the time instead of training we were going out and drinking and and all sorts of cool student activities so, so the diving was was more a reason and an excuse that than, a, than an end really and, but there were still these three guys doing uh, insane deep dives at the time, and there were some of the European trimix pioneers part of the club. I became friends with them, and one of them ended up being my instructor for me becoming an instructor, right, like a trainer. And, uh, and uh, I was super fascinated by their story. They were doing like 600 feet dives on open circuit, exploring the deepest French caves and so on, and the guys were like 28, 30 years old. And, um, and right before, I, I was about to finish my studies, and one of them, this guy actually died on, a, on an exploration dive on the 31st of, of December. I was supposed to come out on the 1st of January, and that never happened. So my, my dad woke me up with a newspaper and, uh, and with the face of my friend, right? And he was like, yeah, kid diving dangerous, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, so to cut it short, like after that, it took me like that was big depression. And after six months of that, I actually decided that I would be a full-time diver because life was too short. I didn't want to keep uh, in the in the chemical process industry that I was uh, that I was studying, right? And uh, that's when I left to New Zealand. I learned English. I did my PIDI ITC over there. I met a guy that is not pretty renowned, uh, Pete Mesley, and I started to do some tech diving with him, and. I kept traveling, I ended up arriving in Mexico, and I go to a party in Mexico, my neighbor invited me, they said, oh, you're the new guy in the block, so come uh, come to the party. And I start to talk to, to a guy, and just talking, we realized that we had the friend who had died in coma. So I kind of left my everything I was doing to travel the world and become a diver. I arrived to Mexico, and I meet somebody who knew the person who actually even dead, kind of changed my life, right? So I thought, oh, that's really weird. And he told me, come on a, come on a cavern tour with me. Like, you, you will love the cenotes. So I go on a cavern tour with a guy, and I came out of the dive, and he told me, how did you like it? I was, that was horrible. 
<laughs> at the time, I loved wrecks and I loved fish. I, I liked the diving, but for wrecks and the history and the cannons and the weapons, and we were pulling uh, bombshells. And anyways, he was like, "Oh, that's too sad. So you are not uh, going to take a course with me because I just turned a keg instructor and I was expecting to sell my first course as long as you're already a tech diver." And I was no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I want to take a cave course. He was like, "Why?" It's just because you look too good in the water and the techniques you have, I can see how I can apply that to wrecks. So I'm going to spend another year in Mexico practicing caves to become a better tech diver. And then I will keep traveling the world and learn new languages. And that was 19 years ago almost. Because <laughs> I didn't want to be in the caves. And then after 30 or 40 cave dives, you know, like young scuba instructor, I didn't have much money to do trimix dives. Uh, so the caves were really convenient. I could go hangover pretty late in the day, short dive, long dive, uh, and yeah, and uh, and that was not meant to be. But 19 years after, I'm just like way older and still here diving caves every day. So, so yeah, <laughs> good stories. So fast forward a little bit. Um, how did you two meet? <laughs> uh oh. <Uh-oh. laughs> Alright, so um, I was working at a dive shop in a town nearby called Puerto Aventuras, and uh, there was a diver who would dive out of our shop sometimes just in the ocean, and he was a he was a cave diver, and I had just become a cave diver, um, and so he invited me to go cave diving with him, and I was a poor open water scoop instructor and I didn't have a car so I would go with anybody I was thrilled and he also invited Vince to go cave diving so we were all three cave diving together and we had never dove with this person before and he was just I mean he wasn't a horrible diver but he was just just swimming right through it not looking at anything it wasn't an enjoyable (laughs) dive you want to look around a little bit and so we got out of the first dive and I was like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know about this. We're going pretty fast. Vince was like, yeah. It's like, well, I'd go diving with you again, Vince. And he was like, yeah. So we changed numbers. And then we, we started going diving off on our own without this person. And uh, the friendship just grew from there. Yeah, pretty much. We met in Nohochna Chich. Yeah, wow. we met in Nohochna Chich. And then how did that go from, from there to now? You know, I... To being co-owners of a business together and partners and all of those things. I mean, um, I, I've been partners before in other businesses, and I mean, it's. I think in a lot of ways, it's it's tougher than even being married. So, <laughs> how did you how did you get to uh, to that place, and and what's it like for you guys running a shop together? I mean, I would say it started with exploration, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so yeah, and I started with diving a little bit together, and uh, and, and I was. Still working, I mean, I was still like craving for diving, for cave diving. So again, scuba instructor in Playa del Carmen, when you're single in 24, I mean, there are lots of pretty tempting activities around, right? So I, I would go out uh, on weekends with my friend on Friday before my day off, but I would go back home at 12 to go cave diving the next day. And everybody was like, man, you're dumb. It's like you have girls around, you're 24, you're single. Why do you go cave diving every day off, right? And, uh, and I was actually super, super uh, kind of bummed to see that lots of the people would say, yeah, we go dive and we do that. So I was making plans and nobody would ever show up. They were hangover. They couldn't wake up and then hangover to go dive and such, right? 
So when I met Nat and I saw the motivation there, I always had in the back of my mind that the main goal of cave diving one day to become an explorer. Because I like swimming the caves, I love teaching it, I love them. But there is something more. There's, there's another dimension to it. The, the exciting thing about the cave is that you don't know what is around the corner and you want to know all the time. Right? So I just gave her a call one night. And I was, hey, I didn't have any idea about what I was speaking about. So, <laughs> I was, hey, I want to explore caves. Do you want to explore caves? And she goes, like, yeah, I will spend my last penny on cave exploration. Let me meet in this bar or whatever. So we met in a bar, we got beers, I think we got drunk. And from there, we started to have this super cool thing that cave exploration made us grow as divers because we had to learn side mount from side mount stage and then deco cave dives and then DPV. But that's every time like, the, the exploration projects that were an objective for us to improve as divers. And, uh, and we have always done it like together at the same time due to the projects we had together. Um, and then, after a while, that turned into the project of making a shop for what we were speaking about at the beginning, to do the things the way we want them to be done and to really have like an exploration center. Uh, so it all came from the same thing at the end, just curiosity, really. And we have many times spent our very last penny on exploration. <laughs> yeah, we do. we do. And we still do. We still do. <laughs> Um, so when you when you were first starting out in exploration, was that just something y'all went into and was just like, I want to find new territory somewhere that nobody's been before, or just I want to see something that I haven't seen? Like the the exploration side of it was just automatic as soon as you started cave diving. I mean, I think if you're at least I can't speak for Vince, but if you're my personality type. I... So finding something new about the world, being an adventurer is always sort of the goal of, in my life. You know, I, I always wanted to be an explorer. I just didn't know what I was going to explore. <laughs> um, so I found it um, and it was a natural move from just being a cave diver to learning to explore. We didn't know what we were doing at the beginning at all. Um, <laughs> But I, I found a, a cenote out behind my house when I lived at Aquamall that hadn't been explored. They said um, it had a little bit of line in it from somebody that I know, actually. But he told us just to go ahead. He wasn't working there at all. He finished that project 10 years ago. And so uh, Vince and I started trying to learn to survey, to lay line, um, and to explore this cave. It was called Tatich. And we've laid some really poor quality lines there, <laughs> done some really dumb things. But it was shallow. It was a good first place. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and, and speaking for myself, I think I, I had what I was saying earlier. I was really into, when I was younger, when I started technical diving, I was more into... Uh, wreck history and trying to find all wrecks, which unfortunately I never did because I didn't have the opportunity to participate in projects like that. But when I arrived here again and I realized that I could dive shallow on air and with the right techniques and just the willingness to do so, there were still uncharted parts of the planet. I was exactly that. I had the same wish since I was a kid to explore. And I remember when I was like four or five years old, 
uh, I would look at a river, at a lake, at a, a puddle after the rain, and I would always wonder what was laying underneath the surface. And that was this curiosity driving me to become a diver, I think, and to, and to explore wrecks and to go deeper into things. So then when I realized that everywhere around here, we had these beautiful uh, limestone, warm caves that people were not really bothering about. And I was like, cool, this is for me. It's like we have like these kilometers and kilometers of places on the planet that nobody knows, and it's right here. So I think I have to do it. And then it turns into such an addiction that you never leave uh, Mexico in an area with that many caves. But uh, that's another story. Yeah, so I, I love the fact that in a lot of ways, when you guys talk about exploration, you talk about the word curiosity. And then you also tie that to, we just have to keep getting better to keep going and it helps us get better. I'd love for you guys to take a minute just because now you are very experienced uh, explorers in a lot of ways, uh, or at least in my, <laughs> from my view, from my, my perch, um, you know, and, and to hear some of the stories, but can you talk a little bit about, the mindset of being an explorer and is that different than when you're just jumping in to go and Cozumel and uh, you know, look at the fishes at uh, on a 30 foot reef dive or, or is it the same or, or what is that mindset that's driving you in, in your preparation in the actual exploration in the, all the work it takes to even open up a site in the first place and get access and all those things. Can you spend a minute just talking about the mindset that it takes to be an explorer at, at your guys's level? I would say that, yes, what we do is different from open water diving, uh, from recreational sort of fun diving. But I wouldn't necessarily say that the mindset required to be an explorer is fundamentally different from the mindset required to be a technical or a cave diver. There's a, a lot of overlay. Um, you have to be very methodical. You have to control your emotions even when you're really excited about finding something new, even when something works out, you have to be very cold and methodical. And then you get excited when you get out of the water. Um, and so a lot of it, I think, you know, it's in the water sort of control to an extremely high level for me. Um, I'm still enjoying it, but it's a level of control where I am, completely in the moment. It's not what I would consider meditation, but it's something similar where you're just there and you're 100% focused on what you're doing in, in a very, yeah, cold and methodical method. Um, and then Vince always says exploration is frustration. So the outside of the water part, which is probably like 90% of exploration is locating landowners the human relations side of it, talking to people, finding the next hole to go into, that can be really highly frustrating. So you you can't be too pushy, but you also just have to not give up. So maybe one person doesn't want you on the land. There's no way you're going to get in there, but there's always the next person, the next landowner to talk to. And so you have to have a little bit of stick to it Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I think that was a very good description, and uh, and, uh, and I think any good cave or technical diver probably can technically be an explorer. But yeah, what Matt was mentioning to me, the biggest difference is you need to be ready to deal with frustration all the time at every single level, and instead of 
giving up due to the frustration, what lots of people do, that is actually like, that should be fueling uh, some kind of ego and revenge to forget this instant of frustration that is going to lead to another one. Just an example, like you make it to the end of your reel and you have a bunch of gas and the cape is opening and you're frustrated because you could have taken more line. And the day you take more line, you just finish your gas and you need to turn with a bunch of line. And the day you have the gas in the line, you turn the corner and the cave ends and so on and so on. So you always have to expect that and you have to be ready for it. And it needs, it's again, like it's fueling the next time you go because you need to overcome this level of frustration. Uh, and that's to me the biggest difference with the rest. Really. You, you like to suffer for no reason, pretty much. It's, <laughs> it's some kind of masochism, really. There really is. <laughs> we were, and you know, we deal with landowners a lot who, um, who like don't really truly understand what's going on. And so we were joking one time, you know, the landowner, you know, maybe a really wealthy ranch owner or some guy who's just working on a ranch and has let us in with the permission of the boss, you know, they're like, how was the dive, guys? And we're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, very good. Like, I'd like to see you, see you take your little line and you put it in the cave. Okay. And we're like, oh, wow, like we went so far. And we're like, really good. All right, I'm going to go deal with the farm. I'm glad you guys had fun today. Because <laughs> like, what we do is like, no pity. Within our little world, it's really cool. Like, we all think explorers are cool. We think the other explorers are cool. Like, yay. But really, for 99.9% .9 of humanity, like, it's, this doesn't mean anything. It's really just, like, yeah. a silly little thing we do. Yeah, I, I, I told you about that. The, my, my, my mom had two sentences. She's not a diver, as I said earlier. And she had these two things that really put me back down to the ground and to earth. I was like, man, but you don't realize that was so cool. We go to, to see places that nobody has seen before. And she would be like, yeah, because nobody gives a shit about this place. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. I was like, man, man, we need to understand, like, we want to go around the corner and see what is around the corner. And she would be, yeah, I can tell you, rocks and water, <laughs> rocks and water. Yeah, it's exciting to us. <laughs> But yeah, what Matt is saying, it's like, so, and sometimes it's a good uh, lesson of humility, which is funny when people sometimes exploring a big tech diver, they feel so cool, and just walk around and you think, I am a cave diver, and you're like, oh yeah, great. Okay, so, so you have, you have this guy's a yeah. cardiac surgeon. Okay, I'll just shut up. Yeah, exactly. No, that's awesome. That's sure. awesome. So I wanted to talk about while we were down there, it was a pretty surreal experience for us. While we started our class, you um, were setting off on an exploration project, which I thought was really cool to see just loading up the tanks, loading up all the equipment. Um, and, and this is kind of a cool uh, comeback to that because uh, I saw a little bit of stuff on social media, but how did that exploration project work out? Did it meet expectations? Did it surpass expectations? Any moments of frustration? Do you want to just talk a little bit about that? Well, it's in a place where there's restricted access. So, you know, we've been going into this one hole for about four years now. Um, but it depends upon who's in charge of the location as to whether they will let us on or not. So um, the last two months we've gone down there 
we'd gotten on. And it was the first time in four years. So it was very exciting to get back into this place called Melbach. And uh, we had an idea from the trip from the previous month of where to go. And it went. We added two kilometers of line in four or five dives. Yeah, and um, we ended up like in a totally sort of different area of the cave at the very end, which I probably don't think is the main tunnel, but it was really low and the geology changed entirely. So it was really interesting to see the cave change. That was exciting. Um, and we got to do some really big dives, actually. We were taking three stages, so five tanks all together, two DPVs, and then deco gases. So it's always fun when you get to do something really technical as well yeah. and like geek out about it a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, that was super cool. Uh, ended up doing, yeah, these big dives with like DPVs and lots of deco behind, like average depth of 70 feet with max depth of 80. But like for hours of bottom dives. And uh, and yeah, we just ended up like in some massive, massive caves, like places where there were like a couple of dives where we literally had to navigate following a compass heading because you don't have walls as visual references anymore. Uh, and that's of course like, that feels so great. You feel like so tiny, kind of overwhelming at the same time. Uh, and we eventually ran into a natural saying, probably which is one of the boundaries of the system in one direction. But doing so, we crossed so many other massive passages that are super promising and, uh, and, and promising many, many more weeks of exploration just for this section, which is already a tiny section of a super big cave. Uh, and, and during the trip, we passed the 16 kilometers marked mark altogether. And it's like 16.5 right now. But the potential is is pretty unlimited uh, from what we've seen. So, so that was good. That was really good. The best thing we did was uh, Vince like checked all the tanks the day before to make sure they were all full and everything, and then we just sort of told our employee to put the tanks in the truck um, while we reloaded everything else, and somehow. The employee didn't realize all of the O2 bottles were supposed to go onto the truck and we didn't catch it. So we drove like four and a half hours and we got to this place and we had like two O2 bottles <laughs> for a week of deco. So we were like, okay, we're going to hold these to like the biggest days, which will clearly come at the end of the week. So for like three or four days, we were decoing on 32% nitrox, which meant that dirty, we were doing some dirty deco, which meant that we were doing like completely unnecessary, like 50 minutes of deco, 60 minutes of deco in this place where you have like three feet of viz and you're stuck in like kind of a restriction and it's very, very silty. Um, that wasn't our finest moment, and we won't forget the O2 ever again. <laughs> yeah, because of the way, we could have gone for bigger dives than that week. Yeah. But we still managed. We did uh, good. Yeah. We, yeah. We found some other different sections too, and uh, and again, that's learning. Uh, it, it, it's how you don't make the same mistake, and it's actually better that was happening there. That let's say that one day we go explore like some island in the Pacific. Uh, <laughs> And then we're like, oh shit, we forgot the thing. We forgot the So so we learned, and uh, so that was in a good way. That was a good lesson. Yeah. 
Well, you guys got like my checklists to make sure everything goes in the car during the course. This is clearly the impetus for an exploration checklist. And the first thing that's going to go on top is oxygen. <laughs> that's a good thing to go on top. Um, yeah. And then I just well, had congratulations one... on that dive. Yeah, yeah. No, congratulations. And I just had uh, one more question about that. Because I noticed, I think it was on the, the Instagram, you were saying, oh, we're taking the kid out diving or exploring Nick. Was that was that his first exploration with you all? Or was it just like a thing, like we're taking him out? Like, how, how did that all go? No, that was not his first exploration with us. Otherwise, we would not have taken him there. But this place is actually pretty challenging from a technically speaking and psychologically as well. It's not an easy case. It's like the, you have like tidal flow, you have H2S everywhere. It sticks like rotten egg and you have these pieces falling and it's deeper. And, and there's no visibility on the exit unless you're scaring. But that was his first sight. <laughs> but to us, it's one of our legendary cave system. I would think it's definitely like one of the most interesting things we've been exploring over the last few years. So as a treat to him, that was more like, now you're going to see that you're going to face the beast and to understand what is this cave. And actually, like he came out of the first dive, I was just diving with him because we had agreed that he should not uh, be by himself at this point, and we should be like kind of not do any big pushes uh, either. Yeah, yeah, just to let him get used to the place and understand. He came out of the dive, and yeah, like his wide eyes, and he was like, "So you were not lying?" It's like. I don't know if I really feel comfortable in this place. It's kind of fucking freaky. <laughs> so I was like, I told you so. Uh, but then he relaxed, and actually, the, next, the last two days he was with us, he did pretty good. Uh, and uh, he, he started to understand and found some really good sections. Uh, and that was actually really good for me to dive with him and to see the to, to see my little Padawan and the little like the, the baby exploring. And he was like, Do you want the reader? No, it's all yours now. And I'm just enjoying the watching you progressing and, and being excited about it was probably as exciting to me that, than being the one laying the line there. I didn't get to go diving with Nick because I didn't save the last survey file from the last dive of the last day of the last month. So I got to go all the way back to the end of the line, not to explore, but to re-survey the line on the first day. <laughs> Another one of those checklist items. This is how you learn to save your files. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Um, can you, so, so maybe going, keeping on this, this path here, I would love for, for each of you um, to tell us kind of your most memorable, just personally, what's your most memorable exploration moment. And um, I know Nat, when we were there, we talked about that one. And I remember just feeling like a, a kid at the campfire or at the feet of the storyteller, just listening to you tell these stories and, and you as well, Vince, and they were just amazing. So I'd love to to hear and for you guys to share your most, your it doesn't have to be most memorable, but your favorite kind of exploration moment up until this point. Well, there are of course like a bunch right now and that's, and that's always the cool thing about keeping doing it because this part, these little moments are really worth all the frustration before I was speaking about, right? So we keep chasing it and they keep happening more and more, right? Uh, however, of course, I would say something that has been like a big switching point in, in my exploration career was the cenote behind Nat's house in Akuman, what I was speaking about, where there was a tiny amount of light uh, laid in the 90s by some pretty big cave explorers like Bill Phillips, Pablo Diaz at the time, the people were working on the Rochnachich. 
And these lines were ending in two rooms and we just used the place to practice survey. But that was still the time where we were not really good at survey. Um, and at the end of one of these lines, I had noticed a hole in a wall that kept, that started like to, to, to bug me. And I came out of the dive and I was in the hole there. I think they're in the hole, I think the cave keeps going and there is this line and she has come on. That was Bill Phillips. I mean, there's, <laughs> no, one found it. there's no way they missed anything there. It's a tiny cave, it doesn't go anywhere. We just keep it for practicing survey because it doesn't go anywhere. There's no point like, to go everywhere. I didn't try to discourage you. I told you no. to go check the hole. Yeah, but at the same time, I was, okay, you go. So, yeah, so. I go check it. I, I doubt Bill missed anything. I would never tell you not to go check the hole. And, and there was one evening we were, we were coming back from the other project we spoke about earlier, Tatich. Uh, and on the way back, I still had a bit of gas in my tanks. And I was saying, I want to check the hole. I want to check the hole. And Matt was like, check the hole. Okay, well, we're here. Stop, take your tanks, go check it so we know. And so, are you coming, guys? They went, no, we stay here. So like, everybody was like, okay, he's going to check his thing. And actually, I, I came back uh, two hours after uh, with an empty, empty reel. And, and I said, you need to come yes. and see that, because it just goes. And after the hole in the wall, there was no restriction. And after that, he just opened in a massive bedding plane with halocline formation. I emptied the reel in like no time. And after that, from 140 meters of line that these people had laid in the 90s, we made the place grow, because of course we didn't make it, that's nature. But we explored over eight kilometers behind this hole. Uh, and to me, that's really when I felt that I started to understand the geology, I started to understand how to look at the caves, and that was one of the most satisfying moments in my entire life, really. I came out of the dive, and I, I could see her with another friend, like, standing on the edge of the water waiting for me, and I didn't even come out of the water, I just took the reel, and I just, like, tossed it, like, on the ground, like, like kind of, like, victory, you know, like, a trick. <laughs> Like yelling until I told you that would go, and then actually they took towns. Get up! It's like, we need to check it out right away, and then there was like an ongoing project for more years actually. Yeah. So that was for me my higher moment, best one. I don't know for you. I would say one of the most satisfying exploration moments for me was Medusa. Um, which is a cave a bit south of here. We've been exploring in an area for quite a while um, where really people haven't been exploring probably because the caves are disgusting, dangerous, and filled with microbial life. Uh, they're not beautiful. They have terrible visibility and are full of hydrogen sulfide, but I like them. We like them. So um, we, we found this, we were shown this one cenote uh, that we eventually connected to the one that we were talking about, Melmac. We've been exploring there for maybe eight or nine years in this area now. And uh, we have maybe eight different systems uh, that we've been working on. It's really difficult to find caves in this area because there was a lot of hurricanes that came by and there's more topsoil. So a lot of people have cenotes that have been filled in. So I was always trying to find another entrance. The entrance to Pandora is in uh, a lagoon, a bay. And so uh, I started like looking on Google Earth and making these plans, and I uh, came up with a theory uh, based on the geology of the area. And I spoke with a hydrogeologist that I work with a lot, Dr. Patricia Beddoes, and she thought I was right. 
Um, so I started taking Google Earth points where I thought there should be more freshwater outlets. And uh, we would take boats. And every time we would go down there, we would spend like one day, a lot of money on a boat, going to all these different places to see if there were there was any caves. And we were finding like little openings, like small tubes that were pushing fresh water out. So we knew I wasn't wrong, but there weren't really diveable caves. And so in the end of 2019, we actually found a, a cave you could get into based on my, my hypothesis about cave distribution in the area. Um, so I just did this from like, maps and theories and understanding of geology and Trisha's help. And uh, we got there and it was like crazy, crazy flow pushing in, like pushing you out really hard. Um, so I went first, Vince was right behind me and I was expecting another microbial filled hydrogen sulfide cave and I could smell hydrogen sulfide. But I went into this first room and it was just all like seashells, like three meters deep in seashells everywhere. Everything was shells. It was like soft rock ceiling filled with shells, shells everywhere. And it was so soft that the visibility was immediately zero. But I was like, I found one, we gotta check it. So I'm like going around, like feeling my way through, trying to figure out where to go. And Vince is just kind of behind me going like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> and uh, you try to follow the flow and there was strong flow at this point. So I swam all of a sudden, the water pushed me into the ceiling. And I was like, oh, I gotta go down against this. So I like nosedive down this hole. And as I'm out maybe five or six meters, and I was in this room just covered with orange encrusting sponges. And I couldn't see very, like for very long, like I breathed out and like all this stuff came down. So Vince behind me didn't get to see anything again. He was just literally following a line. Um, but I was having a great time. So I kept going in and I went through all these like little windy restrictions and you know, it's just going to zero visibility behind me like immediately. So eventually maybe 10, 15 minutes in, Vince is like tugging my fin because lights aren't gonna work. I'm like, all right, fine. So I cut the line and we just kind of float back out and, and he could see nothing. All he <laughs> saw was like groundwater until he hit my fins the entire time. So he was like, I'm not doing this. Like there's no point of us both going because I can't see anything. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back. So I went back uh, by myself this time, got to the end of line and I swam a little bit farther, maybe 200 meters or something max, maybe not even that much, maybe hundred meters. And it changed and it became like the soft sort of brown sediment that you see a lot of microbial caves at all of these formations, like stalactites and stalagmites that were covered in this sediment. Uh, but they looked a little bit like some of the stuff we've seen in other caves. And so I went for a little while longer, but it was really challenging. So I thought, you know, I need to, I need to take a break. So I cut the line and I went to tie it off to go back out. And I felt the line go totally loose behind me. And so uh, that, you know, either I could see nothing behind me. It was terrible visibility. Um, and if... Uh, like that line gets pulled off or into a crack. I am not going to make it out of this cave. So I just sat there for like three minutes while my heart was racing and I couldn't feel my hands until I like forced myself calm again before I even moved. And then I like very carefully like retied the line and I swam forward a little bit and kept like kind of nudging it on things. And then I found like a formation I tied off onto just fallen over into the goo. 
So I got out, got to the surface, thought about it for a minute, decided I hadn't gone through all of this for the last years for nothing. And it's like, I'm going back in. And Vince is like, give me your tank, Vince. So Vince is just sitting on this boat in the middle of the sun for like five hours. So I take his tanks and I go back in and I get to this end of line, like I kind of repair things and I keep going and it's getting like a little bit more promising. And then I, I get to what looks like a wall in front of me. And um, there's like, it's just filled with sediment. It's maybe like six inches of darkness that looks like it keeps going. And the sediment is really, really soft. It's like jello. You can put your hand in it. It's like fluffy jello. So I think about it for a minute. I'm like, you know, I'm going to try this. So I, I start to try to like snow plow through this stuff. And so like I'm up to goo, like to here, but it doesn't restrict the regulators if he cares. So I keep going. And then I like run into a, I run into a wall like with my right tank, but there's still like a little space to my left. So I take my right tank off and I hold it in front of me. I keep going. I hit something with my left tank and I hold, so I take that off. I hit it in front of me. So I've got two tanks that are real and it's really gooey. So I'm like, you know what? I just pull a bunch of line off the real log and I throw it as hard as I can in front of me. And um, then I kind of snow plow my way through this thing and I pop out into this like dark chamber um, right at the edge of this big hole going straight down. Um, and my reel is just sitting right on the edge of this. And I look down and I see like all the typical microbial growths that you see in this other cave system that we're exploring that are the source of the hydrogen sulfide. So I went down, I tied my line, I thought that's enough for today. I found the main cave. And then I swam out and we went, did you dive the first day? Uh, I think I went back to, to see the hole. Yeah, and then I got Vince. We went back just to go check it real quick. Because I'd gone back and forth like four times now. So I'd pulled all the goo out. Um, <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and it became another project. But it was super satisfying because it was so challenging and so difficult. And I feel like every exploration I've done up to this point kind of prepped me for that. Like I wouldn't have been able to do that. If I hadn't had this experience from one place and this experience from another place that all grew to make me capable of doing this. Um, and also Vince being willing to just wait on the boat for six <laughs> hours was pretty nice as well and indulged me. Um, and yeah, so that was probably my coolest experience was coming out onto that hole and realizing I just did it. And I proved my hypothesis about cave distribution. There really are big caves there. Actually, I posted a picture about the place a couple of days ago for a talk I'm going to give in France like in a month from now, and that's the place. Yeah. Like if you see it on Facebook, like the thing I'm, you see from the back, there's a tank on the line and like all these reformations everywhere. That is the lowest big level after all these adventures to make it to the big hole. So. That's awesome. Um, so I guess uh, my other, my last question, I don't know if Jay probably has another question. Um, I saw a really uh, cool video of you, Natalie, talking about your guardian Alouche. And I was wondering, ah! yeah, I was wondering if you had um, any, if you've had any more run-ins. And then also, Vincent, um, have you had run-ins with, I'm assuming you have a guardian Alouche as well. I'm assuming both of you have one. So <laughs> if you would uh, just kind of tell us about that a little bit. 
Well, okay, so I, I always have this thing I try to explain to people because I always have these huge dramatic problems and adventures where things go wildly wrong. Um, that if you're going to be a person who does adventurous things, you will have adventures. Um, and they won't always be positive. So um, my joke is that I'm a person who I always have things go wildly wrong, but when they go wildly wrong, they go wrong in the best way possible. So, um, like, I, for example, uh, had my truck, like, tire fall off 18 kilometers from cell phone service, but I, um, like, was walking around, like, for two kilometers trying to get to a ranch I knew, and just at one quarter, I got cell phone service. And I was able to call for help, like, just like that. And when the mechanic actually saw my truck, the tire was, it wasn't because I was on the dirt road. Um, the mechanic I had hired to replace my suspension, um, I don't know enough about mechanics, and he didn't do a good job. So the wheel was going to fall off at some point. And so if it had fallen off while I was driving, like, 60 miles an hour on the highway, I probably would have died right? Like with all the tanks and stuff, or I could have injured somebody. So a bad thing in the best way possible. Um, and so this seems to be a, a, a theme in my life. And then the joke is that I have a guardian alush. And alush is a like little uh, Maya mythological creature, like a leprechaun kind of that's naughty, and they'll mess with you. And so mine's a guardian. So it messes with me to keep worse things from happening. Um, and I would say the most recent... A loose experience was uh, two trips ago when we were in this exploration area and we're driving out like an hour from where we're staying, an hour and a half from where we're staying uh, to an area with no cell phone service. And like, it is not a safe place to have your truck break, especially with all the stuff we have. And uh, we were driving out to go there on this last project and uh, my truck broke um, in the town before we got out of cell phone service that morning. So it was super disappointing to not get to go diving for a day or two. But if it had happened half an hour later, we would have been in serious trouble. Um, so that was my most recent Aleutian <laughs> experience about a month ago. And uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, like what people call close calls and everything. To, to me, like the most positive thing about it, I don't know how I managed to do that, but I always end up finding or meeting super impressive and inspiring people and I'm pretty good at connecting with them and and it just turned into like this weird uh, bunch of contacts and people I know around like Mexico and some of them like around the world now and I keep the thing going because at one time you met them they make you meet another person and things keep flowing so I don't know there is there is definitely I don't know what or who there is something that was that is still here looking after us and something that I, I really I really feel more and more for some of the stories I told you earlier that I, no matter what I didn't know how it would happen I didn't know that was caves but since I was born I was probably meant to be one day a cave explorer and everything is combining you just need to be open to the sign uh, you, you you just need to, to keep curious again you, you need to talk to the people to respect everybody to know and tell them about your story and ask them for more caves and cenote I mean I go to the beach with my wife and we meet somebody who says oh I have this little ranch and right here is oh really do you have any cenote give me your phone number oh actually yeah <laughs> and, that, and that's it keeps going and going and going so that's uh, yeah I don't know what to say and yeah I've been safe I 
there is something watching after us. Uh, Vince doesn't have this bad of the luck as I do. <laughs> no, this bad, this bad thing. <laughs> it's kind of me. No, yeah, this bad luck thing. No, I don't. Uh, I don't really have it. I have more like the, uh, finding these weird people. I, I have a smell for weird. But interesting people. Yeah, but interesting at the end and the ones. So, yeah. Well, that's great. I have like a thousand more questions, but uh, of course we're we're limited on time. And so um, maybe I'll just wrap up with this last one, which is just uh, so kind of stepping back from from diving, exploration, running a shop. um, Is there any kind of high level life lesson that you've pulled from scuba that applies in your life every day something that you learn from scuba that maybe is is that you take with you on a day-to-day life basis um that you'd like to share everything <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to start. um i'd say a method of approaching things methodically has really helped me deal with pretty much every aspect of my life to me i would say controlling emotions really uh, learning how to instead of you get a fight with your wife uh, I can have road rage pretty easily I'm really prone to that but I learned thanks to cave diving and cave exploration to first breathe out <laughs> chill out stop until my brain is actually thinking and not just reacting with emotions and then everything goes way better even a fight with the wife he said now we can talk instead of yelling at each other uh, and that's just one of the many examples where I think like the discipline you need in cave diving and cave exploration can apply to many things in life as long as you are aware of, of, of the improvements you need to do as a human being. Right? Yeah, and I would say that neither of us are very good at controlling our emotions, so it uh-huh. could be so much worse if we weren't cave divers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be way worse. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> Well, I know, I know uh, we really appreciate you taking the time today uh, and we want to give you a, a huge, huge thank you for spending the time sharing your stories and, and everything with us. I think from my perspective and from Nick's perspective, um, you know, there's just a ton of respect that we have for what you're doing and for who you are as people. And we really appreciated you hosting us while we were there and uh, had an incredible time and, and can't wait to be back together at some point. Um, hopefully not too far away. I know Nick, you're, you're off to Malaysia, but the, you know, I, I know I'll be back and Nick will be back at some point, but, but a lot of respect. And I will say out there to all of the, um, I think we decided to call it the scuba verse. I was saying scuba land for a while and that's not good because, because uh, uh, the it refers to shops. So to the scuba verse out there, if you're considering um, you know, cave, if you want to experience the snow days, if you haven't experienced them yet, just on a guided tour, or you want training, um, or you want to meet a couple of really cool people and, and chat with them, we can't give a, a bigger recommendation than we would to under the jungle and the experience that we had there and to Nat and Vince, uh, for their incredible, uh, just, just openness to to us coming in and hanging out as kind of two aspiring cave divers learning the ropes and uh and trying our best so really really a huge thank you to both of you for being here today and and you can check them out at underthejungle.com that's underthejungle.com or just book your flight right now and 
yeah. I'm sure the the door will be open for you. Just you know, Google search once you land and have the cab take you uh, straight to the shop. <laughs> Whichever way you can either you know go to the website or just you know book the flight. Either way, it's up to you. Uh, I'd, I'd book the flight. <laughs> but thanks, Nat and Vince. Anything to add? Any parting words before we wrap this one up? No, uh, thank you so much for coming and diving with us. It was great to meet you too. And uh, you'll you'll definitely get to full cave if you want to. Anybody can. And from what I heard, you guys did really well. So looking forward to having you back one day. Cool. Oh, yeah, thank you very much. And same thing. I hope you you will make it back. And next time, yeah, hopefully I we'll have a bit more time to go for a couple of beers or something as well. I would or have even a dive. Yeah. Or <laughs> even a dive. Any yeah. beers after. It's what does crazy. that equation look like? Is it beer over dive or dive over beer? For me, I think it's dive over beer and then... Because, you know, di- coffee. Coffee is yes. first. Okay. Coffee, coffee, yes. coffee, 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 coffee. <laughs> dive, dive. And then beer, 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 beer. Sleep. Yes. Sleep. Well, somewhere in there's tacos and burritos, right? Uh, somewhere, somewhere in that equation to survive. Those are anywhere. Those are flexible. They can appear at any point in that equation. We need an org chart for this. We we need to make one that just kind of shows us the primacy of these things because it's very important. That's for sure. I definitely look forward to coming back there and taking some more training, some more courses, and definitely looking forward looking forward to having a beer with y'all. Definitely, it would be a good time. Yeah. Yes. And I Thank will for again, sure yeah. be back for <laughs> sure. So hopefully sooner than later, um, if I can uh, convince the, the family that it's uh, I could take some more time away would be awesome. <laughs> we can help. Yeah. Good. <laughs> All right. Out there in the scuba verse uh, again, producer Daniel slapped my hand and makes me call it that, which I kind of like now. So we'll, we'll stay with that. If you enjoyed this episode, and you want to be part of the community, obviously you can join us very easily. Connect with us at thedivetable.com. All kinds of things you can do there. Subscribe to the mailing list. Leave us a voicemail. Hey, if you leave a voicemail for Nat and Vince, we're happy to send it their way as well. Um, And say howdy. Send us a message. We love getting those messages. We love hearing from you. And then make sure that you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. That way you get notified when new episodes drop. Any parting thoughts, Nick, Nat, Vince? Uh, no, th- th- I would say just thank you to be to to have had us, and thank you to be more interested than my mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. Okay, anyway, apparently we do some cool things. We are we're actually really cool. Did you have any yeah. idea? Yeah. No. I <laughs> wow. He's just. <laughs> no, thank you, guys. Nick. It's been uh, great. Thank you. Obviously, thank you once again. It's been awesome. And uh, I know you're about to take a trip, Vince, so safe travels. And definitely looking forward to the next time I can get back out to Mexico to visit y'all and uh, uh, just do a little bit more diving down there. And good luck on your moves. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I am very much looking forward to it. It should be a new new adventure if if definitely it's going to be an adventure. So it should be a good time. <laughs> Look for caves. Look for caves. Ask around. Yes, I actually started kind of looking into that uh, just because I was curious a little bit about that. Um, But yeah, I definitely have pretty pretty far away before I can probably get into a cave. But um, I was kind of looking into that area to see. So you can find them and come back later. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Maybe maybe uh, under the jungle can come out there and do an exploration project. We're down. Just tell us when. All right. Awesome. 
All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to having you back on the next episode of The Dive Table. The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com.